six always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome to another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm DJ. Now, you might be wondering a little bit, why are we here on Saturday listening to me? Well, I've decided that going forward, when there's a game on Friday for the Bucks, I'm probably just going to upload it on Saturday. Just because I think documenting how the Bucks are doing week by week, I just feel if there's a game on Friday, if we release on Friday, it's a little awkward there. So yeah, that's how that's going to be for the foreseeable future. But welcome to issue 12. We're titling this one Next Man Up. There's somebody who's embodied that. It is Grayson Allen. But we'll talk about that later. Now, confusion out of the way. Let's get right into it. Here's our take of the day. So for the take of the day, we got John Morant will not only make his first All-Star game, but is a clear favorite for MIP and will be a consensus top 10 point guard at the end of the season. When it comes to Demetrius Jamel Morant, that's his real name if you guys didn't know, his story is one that is very much uh, inspiring. I mean, that's with all these guys, but John Morant is special. I mean, if you don't know, here's like the little uh, Cliff Notes version. Not very highly recruited out of college, was actually scouted when the scout at Murray State Went to go like to a concession stand, I believe. And Jaw was actually playing in sort of the like kind of the division two version of this AAU tournament. I don't know how that works because I'm Canadian. Murray State was his only major offer, I believe. And obviously he went on to play there for two years. And his second year really popped off. And after that, you guys know the rest of the story. He became the second pick and is now one of the best young point guards in the entire league. Dare I say the best. Now, as it is right now, Jaw's obviously having a career year 26 and a half points. 5.7 rebounds 7.3 assists 1.7 steals 0.3 blocks and a little alarming four turnovers but his percentages are much much improved including 48 and a half percent from the field 34 and a half percent from three and 77.9 percent from the free throw line which are all career highs for those three and with the grizzlies particularly they are six and six as it is right now on the damn recording aka friday november 12th they just got blown up by the Suns, but Jaw had a solid game. 26 points, 6 assists, 12 rebounds. You gotta love that. But he obviously would have much preferred the W. Moving on from there, with Dylan Brooks finally back, we're gonna see what the Grizzlies are fully made of, hopefully. It opens up the game for Jaw more and will take some of the attention away from him. With Zion still without any updates slash timetable, I don't think he'll play enough games to contribute, to constitute an all-star selection. Thus, Jaw could slide in there. However, even if he doesn't initially make it, I think he could be very much be a replacement, much like how Mike Conley was. Now, obviously, if, if I were to sort of nitpick it, I would have loved him, or I would love him to cut down on the turnovers as he's averaging again for a game. Maybe convert those into some more assists, you know, 26 and 10. That's a bona fide all-star number. Like, like that's the equivalent of when Bradley Beal got snubbed for the all-star and he was averaging like 30. But his team was also pretty ass, so that made more sense. The Grizzlies, I think, are pretty chill. And a little side note here, as again, man, there's a soft spot for the Grizzlies because that was Vancouver's team. And in another world, I believe, is still their team. But once Dylan Brooks is fully adjusted, I think Desmond Bain will be a solid, solid, solid six man. He'll be a really good spark plug rather than a starter. I think just allowing him to work with the second unit, he'll get a lot more shots. And not only that, I don't want to say he'll play against weaker opponents, but he won't be playing as much against starters as much as he would with him obviously being in the starting five. Sort of wrap all that mumble jumble up. Here it is, the take of the day again. John Morant will not only make his first All-Star game, but is a clear favorite for most improved player and will be a consensus top 10 point guard at the end of the season. But I mean, he's already kind of like 11, 12-ish anyway, so to see him make that jump would be really dope. Now, y'all already know what that means. I got to give that a guarantee. Appreciate you always, Chuck. Now, here's what's going to happen today. 
So because there aren't any cool jerseys to talk about, obviously we talked about the City Editions last year, or not last year, last week. We're just going to do, you know, super nice and easy going, superlatives, as well as an in-depth look at the Bucks. Well, slight asterisk on the in-depth, but regardless, we're going to look at the boys. Let's start off with notable games. So first one, Celtics Mavs, Luka game winner, all I'm going to say. Nah, but on the real, anytime there's a game winner, that means the game was nice and close and a nice competitive game. This time, Luka, man, Luka magic. Just hopefully all that translates to the playoffs and he can hopefully get out of the first round for the first time in his career. Especially after signing that nice, fat-ass contract. After that, Hornets-Lakers. Now, this one wouldn't have been on there except for the fact that the Lakers really let the Hornets get back in with the fact that I believe LaMelo shot like three technical free throws on top of the two that he was going to initially shoot. All because the Lakers were complaining. So that was obviously free cheese. But either way, with a game that was very much in the hand of the Lakers, they really shit the bed there. However, they got the last laugh, obviously, where they were able to, you know, bring it back together in overtime and obviously took the W there. After that, Warriors and the Hawks. 50-piece. That's it. Well, the Curry really put on a clinic, showcased that he really needs no space to pull it. And man, yeah, I'll talk about Curry more and notable players, but never doubt the chef. After that, Bucks versus Knicks, the second one. It played very much like the first game where the Bucks got out to a nice early lead and the Knicks came back. Made it an interesting game. The block on Obi definitely sealed it. I'll talk about this game more in depth later, but man, what should have been an easy, you know, walkthrough of a game ended up being competitive in the end, which you don't always love, but it was a good game nonetheless. Coming after that, Pistons versus the Rockets. A number one versus number two draft pick battle. Nine players in double digits. But Jeremy Grant led the way with 35 points. <sighs> Hope he has another good season. But this could be a rivalry to watch out for. Obviously, there's like a little tension there with how Jalen Green was kind of being pissy about the Pistons thing. Not only that, there's like people saying like, oh, this is a leader versus a showboaty person or whatever. Based off of like what Kate, Kate Cunningham posted versus Jalen, which I think is just dumb. Regardless, those two have a very bright young future and leading their teams. And man, I'm excited to watch it. Now, that's going to do it for our notable games. Well, let's head into the best team. For the best team this week, obviously it's got to go to the team with the best record right now, the Golden State Warriors. As it is right now, on uh, Friday, November 12th, I'm watching this crazy Golden State Chicago game. Looking like it's shaping up to be a nice banger. But the Golden State Warriors have the highest point per game, 115.2. Second in points allowed, 101.5. Highest point differential, 13.7. They're generating the most assists per game. 30.3 and they have the highest three-pointers made per game slash percentage at 16.2 and 38 percent and again clay's not even back yet like i really don't understand why a lot of people don't give the warriors more credit granted i get that their schedule's been easy but obviously with this game that i'm watching right now oh sorry stuff just hit an and one like steph curry's still playing some of the best basketball of his life and people are still like ah, i can step really do it in the playoffs when it's like Man, shut the fuck up. The fact of the matter is, the Golden State Warriors are one of the best teams in basketball. I know it's early, and I don't want to say they're contenders. Not contenders, I don't want to say they're locks. But you can't deny that they have that championship DNA, have a solid roster, one of the deepest, if not the deepest rosters in my opinion, and they don't even have their second best shooter. Who's the second best shooter of all time? Now, heading from that little uh, love letter to the Warriors, let's head over to a disappointing team. Here, I have the Charlotte Hornets. You know, after a solid 5-2 start, they dropped 5 straight before a win against Memphis on Wednesday. They also had a nice comeback win against the Knicks today. Those boys know how to come back because 
It was a nice double-digit lead that the Knicks had, and they blew it, much like how the Pacers had, I believe, either a 19-point or a solid 20-point lead in the opening night, and they blew it. But regardless, that win leaves them at 7-7, seven and seven, so back to 500 after falling to 6-7. and seven. You'd like to see that. Now, when it comes to their team as a whole, second-highest points per game is behind the Warrior, 114.3, but they allow the most points per game at 118.3, which is not a good differential. They have a solid team. The major flaw is in the five there. I like Plumlee as a better, as a backup. Plus, he's their only actual five. P.J. Washington's too small to play center, in my opinion. Dude, 6'7". I will say, though, trade market, there's a dude that, uh, not very happy in Denver from what I've seen on Twitter, as well as a bunch of his fans are calling for him to get out. Bring Bull Bull to Charlotte. That's it. Now, heading from a disappointing team, let's head over to some highlighted players. Now, for the players I think really, really, really hoop this week, Gonna give a little shout out to the 2009 draft class. If you guys don't remember who's that from, let me remind you of the very first player that I'm gonna talk about. Wardell Stephen motherfucking Curry. Had a 50 piece this week. Not only that, he holds two of the three biggest scoring efforts this year so far. 50 against Atlanta, 45 against the Clippers. And you can bet your ass he's gonna have a lot more. But as is right now, favorite for MVP right now by far. Seriously, don't understand why people are again underrating the Warriors. Still very early, but the Warriors are playing their kind of basketball that won them three chips. And again, as it is right now, they're playing Chicago and shh, that team is looking uh, very nice so far, I gotta say. They're up by 11 as I'm watching this right now. When you guys are listening to this, obviously. Oh shit, Wiggins just hit an add one. Sorry, I should really not record while doing this. I think it gives you a nice little rawness to it. But back to it. Steph is balling. Andrew Wiggins is balling. That whole team is balling. Next up. Ricky Rubio. Career resurgence. Cavs have been a pleasant surprise to start the season. He had a career high of 37 against the Knicks. Whew. Not only that, he dropped a nice, he's had a nice few games. But with Sexton out and a Coral back, the Cleveland starting five could be dope. Either way, Ricky Rubio is showing that he's still very serviceable. Career high points per game. Could play his way to not only another decent contract. I don't know about, because he's making what, 18 million right now? I don't think he's going to make that much again. But could play his way into a nice, decent contract, potentially with even a contender. However, this is all contingent on if he maintains this form. Regardless, respect to the best point guard of the 2009 draft class. Only behind Johnny Flynn. Now, jokes aside, let's head over to a player that has been stanking it up. Kevin Porter Jr. Still a crazy amount of turnovers. Houston is averaging the most per game, and I'm pretty sure he's leading them in it. Actually, not even pretty sure. 100% he's leading them in it. And he's only had one game with 20 points. However, I think he'll still break out sometime this season. A lot of games to play. A lot of time to adjust. Just taking a lot of time to adjust for the man. He's playing point guard this season, so obviously there's a big adjustment from that in regards to having to be a bucket, plus having to facilitate for others now. Give the man, you know, give the man a few, which I am. But disappointing is disappointing. He has been disappointing thus far. Second one, this is a two-parter. Markeith Morris and Nikola Jokic. You never like to see these kinds of incidents, and in my opinion, they're both at fault. Obviously, Markeith Morris threw the first punch. However, as it is with a lot of time in the NBA, it's normally the second guy who gets it the worst. Markeith Morris didn't get a suspension, but he didn't play the next game, so it was kind of like that anyways. Nikola Jokic got that suspension. But either way, you really don't like to see the stuff. Because at the end of the day, these motherfuckers wouldn't really do that. They're not going to risk their money. They're not going to risk their bread. Jimmy Butler is a whole nother situation. <laughs> nah, but all that set aside, it's just you really never want to see this happen. Because this, again, this leads to the, just that evolving narrative that oh, basketball is dangerous. Da, 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 da. It's a game for thugs, which... If you say that word, you know what you really want to say, but I'm not even going to talk about that. Horrible situation. You never want to see that. Let's move on. Here are some takeaways that I have. With Colin Sexton out for the foreseeable future, Isaac Okoro is in a really good position to potentially break out. Slash, 
make Cleveland's starting five better size-wise because they were, like, even worse than Portland's backcourt. And that's considered small with both of them being 6'3". And these two boys are both 6'1". However, with Garland at 6'1", and Okoro at 6'5", I think that could really balance out, especially considering that Garland's a bucket and Isaac Okoro is very much a bucket in his own right. However, he's mainly known for the defensive end, which is crazy coming from there. Miami's salary situation is going to be a very interesting storyline with Tyler Hero definitely playing like a max extension player, which I think he's going to get regardless. If it comes from the Heat, if it comes from another team, man is going to get paid. However, this is probably something that GMs will figure out because they always do it, definitely. But it's something to look out for. Because they just paid Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson, both $90 million. Bam and Jimmy are both on large contracts, max contracts. So I don't know where the money's going to come from, but surely they can figure it out. Coming from there, the Wizards are off to a hot start and will definitely find themselves playing playoff basketball. Cherry on top is that Bradley Beal, after years of playing on bad Wizards team, will probably sign a super, super, super max, making him probably the highest paid player eventually which was his main reason for staying, in my opinion. However, just that bonus of being able to hopefully play playoff basketball is just that nice little, you know, cherry on top. Now, those are going to be my takeaways. Let's just run through them again real quick. So, notable games, Celtics Mavericks, Hornets Lakers, Warriors Hawks, Bucks Knicks, and Pistons and Rockets. Best team, Golden State Warriors. Disappointing team, Charlotte Hornets. Highlighted players, Steph Curry and Ricky Rubio. Disappointing players, Kevin Porter Jr. and Markeith Morris and Nikola Jokic. And takeaways, Isaac Okoro is going to break out. He's got a lot of chances here, as well as making just the Cleveland starting five nice size-wise. Pause. Not only that, uh, Miami salary situation is going to be an interesting storyline. Tyler Hero is definitely deserving of a max extension. Just don't know where that money's going to come from for Miami. And finally, the Wizards are off to a hot start and will definitely find themselves playing playoff basketball. Cherry on top is that Bradley Beal is going to be able to sign that super, super, super max extension. And that's going to do it. So I will see y'all in a bit. We're going to take a short break here and we're going to head into the Bucks. See y'all in a bit. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I don't even know where that's from, but I just remember I've heard that somewhere. Now, here's some takeaways from the Bucks this week. Bobby starting to come back into form, which is lovely. And with Brooks sideline still, should be not only a primary starter, but maybe even a primary option, especially with Giannis, you know, dealing with what he's dealing with. Hopefully it's nothing to be alarmed about. Let's move on from there. Grayson Allen is that dude. Definitely should start over DiVincenzo. Not only that, I think he's really embodying that next man up position. Since Chris is out, Giannis was out this game. Dude has been on a tear. And since having his worst game against Detroit, has had every other game dropping 20 plus. But... He's double digits in all of those. And finally, the Bucks are primarily a first half team and let games slip away when they should firmly be in hand. Not only that, but even when a game's close heading into the half, we just come out very flat in the second half. It's not something I like watching. However, the dubs are dubs, but is it really worth, you know, shortening my lifespan over that stress? Nah, jokes aside, they'll definitely figure it out. Again, they're not healthy right now. However, you don't like to see that they're very solid for the first half and just slowly start to flatten out towards the latter half of the game when you really want to be able to close out. That's just something that the Bucks haven't been good at doing so far this season. Now, heading from there, let's talk about the highlighted player. Grayson Allen. Just like I said earlier, he's embodied that next man up position. Definitely evolved into one of our, not primary scoring options, has become definitely 
a solidified starter in my opinion. He fits much more with the starting five. I think whenever Giannis is driving out, that GA to GA connection, that could be something. But either way, just want to show some love to the new uh, the new man. We literally traded the last the last pick of last year's draft, and I believe a second for a dude who's averaging career high numbers, shooting more than forty percent from the field. I mean, forty percent from three, which is even better, and will definitely be someone to watch out come playoff time, when it all really matters. From there, let's look at that games for this week. First one. The Knicks. Best first quarter in the whole season, in my opinion. But a solid 19-point lead after the first quarter? We got outscored 57-35 to in the second half. What the fuck is that? Now, here's some of the positives, though. We had four players in double digits. Giannis was 25. Grayson with 22, where a majority of those came in the first quarter. Noir with 13. And Drew finally came back. Although he came off the bench, he had 10 points. But you can see he was still kind of getting his legs back with him. And, you know, kind of stuck it up efficiently-wise. But you don't really depend on Drew Holiday to knock down shots as much as you do for him to stop the ball. And I think he did a solid job of that considering it was his first game back. Now, from the team that resides in the Big Apple, we headed to the U.S. Capitol. We played the Wizards. We were down 0-12 and in the beginning, which is not something you want to see. However, we kept the game close. But Kyle Kuzma, which I'm happy to see he's having a nice resurgence. Not even just a resurgence, just showing that he can really hoop. It's not just a meme. He ended any possibility of a comeback. However, the boys played a solid game though. Four players in double digits, all but one starter. Giannis had a monster game. 29 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and a block. Those are MVP fucking numbers right there, baby. Bobby was solid. 13 and 13. 2 assists, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. Oof, you love to see that. Drew, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. You love to see that. And Grayson Allen was again making more of a more of a case that he should be a full-time starter. Even with Dante's back. 19 points, 2 assists, and 4 steals. Man. So despite the fact that we lost that game, solid numbers from the boys. And you like that, you like to see that. Put up a fight, but just didn't come out in their favor. And that's okay, because that's a part of basketball. Now, with this 0-2 little slump here, let me ask you guys. What do two L's make? Put your fingers together. That's a motherfucking W, which is what we caught in the city of brotherly love. Had a good game against the Sixers, which the boys came to play. However, they must have smelt blood in the water because this was a very, very bare-bones Sixers roster with no Ben, obviously out with, while well, he's getting back into, you know, the mentality of being able to play basketball. Wish him the best recovery. But I will say, though, I don't think that's going to happen in Philly. Trade the man, yo. Nah, heading from there. Tobias was out, former Bucks, so you know I love that man. No Joel Embiid, no Seth Curry, and no Matisse Stiebel. Now let's talk about the Sixers real quick in this game. Tyrese Maxey came to hoop. He's having a really good year, making the most out of his opportunity. And I believe that if by the grace of God or some miracle, Ben comes back, he'll be a terror on the bench. Georges Niang, looking like a steal. Dude's been hooping, had like a couple, or if not, maybe three 20-piece games? Love to see that from a guy that you don't normally expect that out of. And the most meme moment from this whole game, Paul Reed has a Hazonia moment. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Mario Hazonia, top five pick. Somebody who is undoubtedly a fucking bust. Didn't even really posterize Giannis. Giannis just tried to block it and didn't get it. But this dude walked over Giannis on like some Allen Iverson over Tyron Lu shit and stared him down. Paul Reed caught a block on Giannis and we're like, ah! 
Well, sorry to break your ears there. But, you know, Paul Reed had his, you know, his moment. Congrats. But that's okay because we caught a fucking W. Regardless, though, Sixers put up a good fight considering the thin numbers. Now, let's talk about our boys. All but one player scored. Big W there. Giannis had a monster game. 31 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, and 0 turnovers. That's mwah. You love to see that. Grayson had a 25-piece season high. Bobby with 19 and 10. Drew filled the stat sheets. 8 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. And another new addition, Semi Ojale. Perfect shooting day, 4 of 4 for 11 points and 8 rebounds. But I will say, this is overall just a game that the Bucks should have won. Smelt blood in the water with the thin numbers, and boom! We were able to leave the city of brotherly love victorious. After Philly, we had to run it back against the Knicks, but this time, we were in the basketball mecca of the world, Madison Square Garden. Now when it came to the game, Bucks were so close to choking this game away, but Pat Connaughton brought us home. Had a 23-piece, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. Giannis, though, had an inefficient night, but solid game. 15 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. You know, that's triple-double alert right there. Grayson Allen, 15 points, 5 rebounds. Drew, 18 points, 6 assists. You love to see that. Bobby, president of the United States, POTUS. 17 points, 5 rebounds. However... I will say, Nora got some tunnel vision, man. Had semi wide open in a quarter when he was driving. Shades of the first game against the Knicks. Had a 20 plus point lead. Game seemed pretty well in hand. Then Derek Rose, 22 piece. Emmanuel Quickly, 18 piece. Alec Burks, 14 piece. And Obi Toppin, 14 piece. That happened. The Knicks bench unit went crazy. So much so that the Knicks didn't even elect to put their starters back in when the game was very close. Decided to ride it out with the bench boys. Didn't work out for them, but the right move in my opinion. When it comes to the Knicks bench unit, they're crazy. Definitely among the best in the league. Overall though, solid game. Should have been a done deal. The Knicks fought back, but the Bucks punched right back. And in my opinion, the ceiling moment that I think really won them the game was when Giannis blocked Obi, even though they didn't initially call it a block, but that was a clean ass block. From this victory, we head to the game that happened on the day that I'm recording Friday against Boston. I gotta say though, we were so small. Our starting five, there is no one taller than 6'3 outside of Bobby. Overall though, bad shooting night from Drew. I think he was like one from 12 at some point, but either way, that could just tell you. Our point guard had a difficult night from three, but positive. Grayson Allen stepped up, but another negative. Dennis Schroeder absolutely fucking cooked us for 38 points. Oh, not only, but I will say, happy you didn't get a 40 piece on us at least. Nah, but for real. Six players in double digits for us, which is very nice to see. Bobby with 22, Drew for 17, Pat for 15, George for 16, and Jordan Nawara for 11. Now, obviously, this is a game that was very well in hand. Not well in hand, but we had a good chance to win. However, all that momentum we had from that comeback to force overtime, completely zapped. All things considered, no Chris Middleton, no Giannis, no Dante DiVincenzo, no Brooke. You're not mad at the valiant effort that the boys put up. It's just sad that we couldn't come away with the W, but it's all right. For the upcoming games between now and next issue, we have the Hawks on Sunday. Should be a very fun game. The Lakers on Wednesday should be a very fun game. As I'm watching this right now, they're getting absolutely fucking pummeled by the Minnesota fucking Timberwolves. And we have the Thunder on Friday. That should be, that should be like, that should be free cheese, man. But... 
we've seen very much so, a lot very often in this season the boys do not handle third and fourth quarters well so you never know because Oklahoma despite being a team that a lot of people thought we'd be very much at the bottom have two of their wins against a team that a lot of people have winning the chip which I do not see happening now but overall solid week from the Bucks. Got me more and more excited from when this team evidently gets healthy. We're an extremely deep team. But I won't feel solid about how the season's going to at least 20 to 30 games in. However, use this early time to watch as much as you can. Again, the bad teams, for the most part, don't know they're bad yet. As I said earlier, early struggles yield later rewards. I'm hoping that's something that remains true to the Bucks. But either way, thank you for tuning in to another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. I've been your host, DJ. Hope you guys have a very nice week filled with a lot of balls, (laughs) filled with a lot of basketball. And remember, the only three guarantees in life are death, taxes, and bucks and six. Have a good one, y'all. Yeah, bucks and six always. That's, That's for the culture.